Welcome to Vineyard Church Dungannon, a place where lives are being changed. The following message was given at one of our Sunday gatherings. For more information, visit vineyarddungannon.co.uk. Okay, why don't we all stand and breathe? And I want to invite um, Ella to come and read the text this morning. Uh, We're going to be looking at Moses. And if I was to give today's talk a title, which will be short, the title, (laughs) just joking, Uh, it's Shoes Off, Kennedy. Shoes Off. So Ella, why don't you come and read the text for us this morning? Why don't we welcome Ella as she comes and reads this morning? Moses was shepherding the flocks of Jethro, his father-in-law, priest of Midian. He drove the flocks deep into the steep and reached God's mountain, Horeb. The Lord's angel showed himself to him in a fiery flame from within a certain bush. He caught sight, yes, the bush there ablaze with fire, yet the bush intact, unconsumed. Thought Moses, I must turn aside and inspect this mysterious phenomenon. How is it the bush is not burned away? When the Lord observed that he was turning aside for a closer look, God called out to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses, yes, sir, said he. Approach no closer, he said. Remove your shoes from your feet, for the spot upon which you are standing is holy ground. Further, he said, I am the God of your father, yes, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Whereupon Moses cloaked his face, fearful of gazing upon divinity. Thank you. Take a seat, or feel free to keep standing if you if you wish. Moses is shepherd. He's doing this a long time. If you think about it, I was thinking about this. I was going to the New Testament. There's fishermen became fishermen of another time. And now we have shepherds who are going to shepherd in another way. And so it makes sense to me that this analogy works. I'd explain why there's a lot of ex-shepherds in the Bible. Sheep run about, you could picture it, can't you? On roundabouts, shepherds need it. You David, Amos, all tending their flock. And uh, their lives are redirected. So... Um, any shepherds out here? Anybody farming sheep? No? You're all good then. You don't have to watch your back. It's all pretty good. Well, what I loved and what Ella just read, I loved this part of the phenomena, the, what grasped his attention. And God does not reveal to himself to Moses when he's praying. Though God does do that. Or fasting. Or meditating. Or engaging in some profound philosophical thought. It's while he's alone. Working. Just doing the menial. The everyday ordinary. Doing what he does. Doing what he does best. Doing what he's always known to do. Shepherding. He's been doing that for a long, long, long time. And I would say that, I don't know, I've never shepherded sheep. 
reform sheep. I did once go to a very extensive labor ward for sheep in New Mills one time. I found that very interesting. But I would say it's unexciting, usually, unless you're birthing sheep. Menial work. I mean, what do you do all day with sheep? Seriously. Again, I'm no farmer. But what do you do? You, you hang around, you walk a lot, you're protecting. But most of it is not really that mentally stimulating. It's very menial type work. And maybe, maybe sometimes God shows up in the unexpected, the unannounced, even in our workspaces. And what I love about God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is that He is always present. He is always near. He is always with us because we now live in a new age where the Spirit has been poured out on all flesh, where God is immediately available to humanity. And here he is in the unexpected, mundane times and showing up. I've been challenged as I was reading this text, how, how often do we go about our day and the menial stuff, actually even thinking that God might show up. I mean, it ne- I'll be honest with you, it seldom crosses my mind. Because I'm task-oriented. I'm in the moment, whatever that moment is. And, and sometimes we just forget that God can show up in that moment, in that time. And here he shows up on a hillside with Moses. And verse 3 of that chapter, 3. I love this translation. Thought Moses... I must turn aside and inspect this mysterious phenomenon. How is it that this tree bush is not burned away? And it's interesting that it's not the bush, it's not the angel or the messenger that catches Moses' attention. It's a bush. It's a bush, it's a phenomenon. Strange, not a regular reoccurrence. Bushes going on fire is a regular reoccurrence. Of course it is in that culture, in that time. Bush fires, heat, things catch fire all the time. But this is not going out. This is burning and burning and burning. And often before God is, maybe this is why we miss him in the mundane, in the everyday. Before God is able to say something to somebody, he has to arrest our attention in some way. In some way, in one way or another, God has to arrest our attention. And the world that we live in, this digitally addicted world that we live in, it's very, very hard. Not for God, but for us to pay attention, to stop, to look, to see what God might be doing, what God might be saying. So Moses calls the incinerating bush the mysterious phenomenon. He literally calls it that. 
another translation is this great sight. But the better language is this mysterious phenomenon. And so we have a covered Moses who hides himself, who's riddled and terrified the thought of God in this moment. And just to help you think that through, it's not that God puts fear into Moses. Okay, it doesn't, the fear does not originate with God. Scripture tells us that perfect love casts out all fear. But it's this thought that here I am, a human man standing on a hillside, and this God of the Old Testament, this God of glory, Yahweh, they don't even say his name. They don't even give him the full letters to his name. They cut off one because he's so holy. In this moment, he, he, the fear is not coming from God. The fear is coming from Moses himself, that what would happen? I want you to park that in your mind this morning, because we're going to journey in this in just a minute or two. What might happen in that space? Well, do you know what Moses' first thought is? What's going to happen to him? What do you think his first thought is? Yeah, who's, who said that? It's like a pantomime. It's behind you. <laughs> Not that this is like a pantomime. That was like a pantomime. You know what I mean? Yeah, he thought he was going to die. But I was going to say strangely, but it's not strange. Everybody that stood in the presence of God did not come out dead, but healed, restored, fed, eyes seen able to walk call given purpose defined and so a covered Moses standing on such ground holy ground the only thing he can do is take off his shoes he's covered his face standing there and what he thinks to do in that moment is it just a thought or is there tradition and history here and there is he takes off his shoes and I want to give you several possibilities and we're going to finish with what I think is the main possibility first because shoes are made out of Carcasses of skin of animals. Well, in that culture, in that time when Moses is alive, they're thought to be unclean. So, therefore, it's unclean, it's impure. And so, nothing unclean, impure enters into the presence of God. So, that is a very rational thinking that here I am on holy ground. These shoes are made of animal skins, they could be unclean. Take off the shoes. Stand in the presence of God and see what happens. Will I die? Second, and we find this, this is, this is not detached from us in our modern world today, is that shoes protect your feet, right? Especially if you're in an industry where your feet need protecting. So they put on protective shoes. And no different in that time as he's walking and as they're going about shoes, they weren't as 
sophisticated as shoes are today, but they, in that culture also, they protected one from injury. And also, just practically, they kept the dirt off your feet. So your feet are protected from injury and also from dirt. But Moses needn't fear that now. Not in the presence of God. He doesn't need protection. And he doesn't need to worry about covering fear of his feet being dirty. So in this case, it's, it's unnecessary. Third one is that when you enter a sacred space in that culture, one removes their shoes in respect for the deity. It's interesting, and even in the Christian church in India, which, uh, which caught me by surprise, the first time you go into a, a meeting or a place of worship, was my experience anyway. I'm sure there's some churches that have been westernized in India too. Uh, but a, a very traditional church in a village, or um, mainly villages where we were, everybody took off their shoes. The first thing you did was take off your shoes. Um, and we see that in other cultures, don't we? In mosques and, and other religions where places of worship, where there's reverence, the first thing that they do is take off their, their shoes. But here's where I'm going to this morning as I lead us into communion and into a time of ministry and, and seeing what the Lord wants to do. A lot of Old Testament scholars would agree on this fourth possibility. It reflects the idea of a host. Of a host. In this case... Who's the host? Another trick question. All the Sunday school kids would get this right. Vineyard kids would get this right, I'm sure. Who's the host? Yeah, God. You did know the answer, you just didn't want to say it. Is that, I'm assuming that was, you just fixated on this talk. It's God. He's inviting the guest. In this case, it's, Moses, it's not complicated. Some of you were going to say God again, weren't you? Jesus, God. God. God is the host. Moses is the invitee to the presence of God. And to remove his shoes before entering the home is just, in that culture, is such an act of gracious hospitality. That's what I want you to get. It's an act of gracious hospitality. If you were to enter one's tent in that culture, you removed your sandals. Because what you want to do is you want to respect their home, right? You respect their home uh, because people didn't have a lot. You know, there wasn't a mat and a rug in every room of the house. There wasn't carpet. There wasn't, uh, what do you call that wooden floor? It's very expensive. Park. Park, eh? Yeah, but there was no parquet. Uh, there was one rug on the floor, and so you're taking off your out in dusty lands hills, wherever you come, and there's no transportation, of course, to you. Either. Everybody walked everywhere. You come into somebody's house, and for respect for the host, for, for the hospitality to be at its very best, you knew that you take off your shoes because you didn't want to rummage around the house and get the rug dirty. There's nothing really, you know, mystical about this. It's just 
hospitality. It's what you do, right? It's what you do. And this goes way back to the beginning in Genesis. Genesis 18.4. I love this scripture. I came on it this week. Why don't you just close your eyes and pause and focus on God as you see him. I really felt this verse was for somebody this week. And the text says this in Genesis 18.4. It says, rest in the shade of this tree while water is brought to wash your feet. Again, it's such a simplistic act of hospitality, but yet it's generous. And I really felt that God was speaking that over you this morning. That you rest in the shade of this tree. It immediately takes me to the New Testament. The tree is a place of healing, a place of shade. And the water that he brings to serve us. And some of us might find that hard to wrap our heads around. But the economy of heaven is a service economy. We might look at this in a week or two, but there is a moment in the scripture when Jesus is taken, drawn into the wilderness, and angels minister to Jesus. There's service in heaven. And we have a God who serves us comes and washes feet and brings rest. Won't accept that such hospitality again by like I said, they respect the space. I think that's what Moses was doing. He was respecting the space and the place where he was. It was about courtesy. And we see the God of our ancestors. We see the hospitality of Abraham. And this is what the text I just read you from. This was a, a text from Abraham to rest, to take off his shoes. And then it should be then for us in the West, and living in the 21st century, it might be a bit of a stretch, but it should not be a stretch for us to imagine, to, to find that here is Moses finding himself in the presence of, of a hospitable God. Moses finds himself in the presence that is sacred, unfallibly sacred. Presence that invites him to be at home. And that in the same moment he has this respect This doubt even as he comes into the presence of God of what will happen to me in this moment? What will take place? In Moses, I love this beauty of this story is because God invites a stranger in at this moment. And this is what Moses had a son to his wife, Zipporah, and she named the son Stranger. Sojourner, because that was Moses' experience. He was naming his son what 
he was experiencing. He says, I have become a foreigner in a foreign land. I have become a foreigner in a foreign land. Moses experiences God's hospitality. So what does it mean for us as we come round the, the table? We're not shepherds. At least no one's admitted to it. Not all of us, I imagine, will be leading thousands of people out of slavery. Maybe one of us. But Moses' encounter with God begins by coming home, taking his shoes off, leaving his burdens, like we talked about, the protection, the busyness of life at the threshold. And I want to suggest, with a subtle hint, don't rush off. Don't rush off. Stay in the presence. Stay with the host. Lay your burdens down. Cares of the world, the work, the worry of protection, the worry of gaining and maintaining and making and earning. In this moment, don't rush off. Take your shoes off because the cares of the world and work are left at the door when we come into the presence of Yahweh. Jesus, God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Holy place is not a distant place. It's an intimacy. It's an invitation. It's a coming home. And the instruction to remove shoes is an invitation to come home and make it your own. Make it your own. Nineteen years ago, I, um, I got up and uh, very unsure of myself and the future. A lot of fear and reputation and actually food poisoning or actually heat stroke that weekend. It was very hot. It was our first public gathering. And I was shaken with fear and... Uh, feeling very unwell, but I managed to get the first words out. And I said, welcome to the vineyard. Welcome to a place to belong. And 19 years later, it's become a reality for a lot of people. They find a place to belong. Not just within these four walls, but in actually other countries, people have been placed into other families because you've come through these doors or those doors or those doors, some other building somewhere, and find a place to belong. And the beauty of it is that we find community, we find rest, we 
find space to breathe again. And it is a place to belong for community, for interaction, for loneliness to go, for family to engage. And bizarrely, I know it's not the best picture, but even coming up the hill this morning when I parked the car, there's people gathered around a woman who's part of her family car line with blankets and pillows and anything they can do to make it. Because that's what we do. We're family. We're not strangers. This is a home, not a building. But my bigger celebration is that some of you have taken your shoes off at one stage or another. And not just walked into the friends and family circles, but actually you've walked into the presence of Jesus, God. And as long as we do those two things, as long as we remember that this is a home, not a building, as long as we can remember that we can take our shoes off, we can breathe in. We're not here to judge, condemn. We're here to be family, to love, to support, to care, to encourage, to prophesy, to heal, to forgive, to be gracious, to be merciful. And we do that together. But I want to keep encouraging you to keep taking your shoes off. To be grasped by a phenomenon, whatever that is for you. When you just close your eyes, as we come around this table of communion, before we start peeling plastic and popping cartons, Nineteen years on, the one hunger that has never left me, in good days and bad days, in trials and triumph, is the hunger and the tenacity to help people take their shoes off. And meet Jesus. Jesus, who walked this earth, whose feet touched soil and the land, fully God, yet fully man. And my prayer for you, as we go into the third decade of church life here, of family life here is that you would help people take their shoes off whatever that looks like for you you'd bring walls down you would feed the poor you say the kind word 
you would do whatever needs to be done to help people take their shoes off, to sit under the tree, to find rest. So that water can be brought, your feet washed. Thanks for listening to this message. For all the latest information on what's happening in the life of our church, visit vineyarddungannon.co.uk.